0: All right. Hey, kids, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. Uh, if you, I hope you came through the wardrobe. If you uh, arrived early enough, you would have got to go through the wardrobe. Good to be in Narnia again. We're not really in Narnia, we're in Advent. Uh, but because we're in Advent, at St. Luke's we uh, end up in Narnia. So every Advent uh, we work our way through one of the chronicles of Narnia and just draw some some ideas from the themes and the story that is um, in Narnia. Uh, we've, done, we've done a few at the Rugby Club, but properly since we've been here at this venue, we've done The Lion of the Witch and the Wardrobe, we've done The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, we've done The Silver Chair, and uh, this year we find ourselves in Prince Caspian. And uh, The subtitle to Prince Caspian is The Return to Narnia. Uh, and there's not actually a wardrobe in Narnia, but given it was the return to Narnia, and given that the kids love to do loops and just go through the wardrobe and around and through the wardrobe, around and through the we thought, we'll, we'll bring back the wardrobe. So hope you had a chance to go through the wardrobe. Uh, C.S. Lewis's Narnia, the, the Chronicles of Narnia books, are an invitation to look beyond the obvious. An invitation to look beyond the obvious. Uh, to see that the world's more enchanted than you realize. Part of the genius of uh, Lewis's book, a little bit part of the genius of the Lord of the Rings as well with Tolkien, is that you get to the end of the story and you don't think to yourself, oh, now I have to go to the real world. You kind of get to the end of your story, of the story, and then you're like, okay, I've got to go and do my other stuff. But there's the sense in that the world, the real world, is the story that you've been reading. The real world is the Shire and the the journey to Mount Doom. The real world is Narnia and the adventures that happen there. You, you get a sense that actually the story that I've been inhabiting over the last little while is more real than you know paying the mortgage and doing the washing and having to turn up at work at whatever time it is, even though those things are obviously real. But they awaken you to the subtext. They awaken you to the subversive reality that's going on around us, the, the, the things that you see when you can learn to look beyond the obvious. And, and the invitation of Advent is to do the same thing, to look beyond the obvious, to have great hope, great expectation, to, to look to see that the promises of God are, are true and good and, and will come about, that, that God is faithful, that all my life His goodness has been running after me. The, the invitation of Advent is to look beyond the obvious as well. So we, we kind of fuse those two things together, remembering that God shows up in Christ in unexpected places and unexpected ways all of the time. Back then, Advent's out, and the anticipation of Christ back then the anticipation of Christ in the here and now of our lives today and the anticipation that Christ will come again as well the, the frustrating thing though is that we don't get a timetable uh, i'm actually reading a book on the moment at the moment by a, a secular historian tom holland on the Uh, It's called Millennium, and it's the turn from like the 900s into the thousands, and he's a secular writer, but he's writing about this moment in the time of the church kind of thing, and all of the end time expect—not Tom Holland, Spider-Man, just for those of you that just went down a trail there, you're like, I didn't know he wrote history as well. Whole different Tom Holland, but he's—this book called Millennium, and it's about— the, the expectations in regard to the return of Christ and, and, and theologians and pastors and people not uh, trying to like, predict the timeline. That, this is in the first changeover from the 900 to the 1,000. Then in the 1999 to the next 1,000, we had it all over again. It doesn't work like that. No one knows the time or the hour. And Advent's about this, this patient waiting, knowing that, well, God is faithful and God will show up in my life. Oh, but I don't get to be in charge of the timetable of, of when that is and what that might look like and, and what that schedule is. I think as we grow older and wiser we realise that God does shop in our life never too early and never too late. But when you actually journey in that that's very frustrating. Uh, and Christmas is, you know, Advent is that kind of countdown to Christmas. It's like, is it time to open presents? Like none of you, if your parents worth your salt, have got Christmas presents under the tree already. Like that's just torture for small children. Is it time? No, it's not. Like there's weeks away. Uh, but that we're teaching our kids to, to wait patiently. And we have to learn to wait patiently as well. Wait patiently only to be surprised by joy and surprised by hope and surprised by love. Because God's always doing something in Christ, and it's always the moment before the moment. All manner of things will be well. All manner of things will be well. All right, so Prince Caspian. Uh, Peter, Susan, Edmund, Lucy, uh, they return to Narnia. Uh, except about a thousand years has passed since they were in Narnia. So there's a whole new line of kings, but an evil uncle has taken over the throne, and Prince Caspian is the rightful heir to the throne, but he's not on the throne, and he's on the run, and the talking animals are kind of on the run, and where's Aslan? We're waiting for Aslan to show up kind of thing. And th- They need the, the, the old kings and queens of Narnia to show up and sort some things out. They need Aslan to return. There's going to be a big battle Prince Caspian's going to end up on the throne, and they'll all live happily ever after for a while. So that's the plot in a nutshell, and we're going to dive into that today. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. And it has been told in another book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe how they had a remarkable adventure. They had opened the door of a magic wardrobe and found themselves in quite a different world from ours. And in that different world, they had become kings and queens in a country called Narnia. While they were in Narnia, they seemed to reign for years and years. Basically, in Narnia, they grew old. They, they grew to be adults, reigning in Narnia and hunting and doing all sorts of different things. Uh, but when they came back through the door, they, they find, uh, they're out on a hunting trip, and they find the lamp, and they find the wardrobe, and they go, oh, let's have a look, and they go back into England. I think if they had a known, they would have stayed in Narnia, but they went back to England kind of thing, and they were suddenly young again. They were kids all over. It was like no, no time had passed at all. At any rate, no one noticed that they had been away, and they never told anyone except one very wise growing up. You could do a sermon about that. We won't, but you have stuff happen in your life, things that God does and shows up. Sometimes the best thing is just... just Have a chat about that with one very wise adult. So there you go. That's a free sermon that's not in here today. That all happened a year ago. And now all four of them were sitting on a seat at a railway station with trunks and play boxes piled up around them. They were, in fact, on their way back to school. They traveled together as far as this station, which was a junction. And here in a few minutes, one train would arrive to take the girls away to one school and one about half an hour later to take the boys away to another school. The first part of the journey, when they were all together, always seemed to be a part of the holidays. But now, when they would be saying goodbye and going different ways so soon, everyone felt that the holidays were really over and everyone felt their term time feelings beginning again remember those term time feelings beginning again? I have enough of those nauseous term time feelings just dropping my kids off at school kind of thing, let alone when I have to go into the actual premises and meet a teacher and talk about stuff. It's like, oh, let's get out of here. The term time feeling again. Uh, and they were all rather gloomy and no one could think of anything to say. I think the obvious question as we start our journey into Advent this year, is can you have a second adventure? Can you have a second adventure? Or a third adventure, or a fourth adventure, or a tenth adventure? Would you even want another adventure? Would you even want another adventure? There's a naivety to the first adventure. There's a naivety to the first adventure. a second adventure, though. Well, you're not so sure about that. Uh, Bilbo Baggins is with uh, just to mix together all of the stuff. We, we won't do Hogwarts in the train station, but um, C.S. Lewis was first with the train station. That's a whole other story. The Hobbits. Uh, Frodo's going to go off with uh, Gandalf. Samwise, he's going to tag along. He wants to go on an adventure with um, Gandalf and Frodo because that's the first adventure, and, Fro- and Samwise is naive and he doesn't know what it's like. You wonder the next time he notices Frodo sneaking off with Gandalf, is Samwise going to pretend that he's asleep. Is he going to roll over? Is oh, I didn't get that the text that didn't come through. You know, there's there's a naivety to the first adventure, but the second adventure, well now you're not so naive. Backpacking back, 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 back across India, first time round there's a naivety to that kind of an adventure. Second time round, oh I don't know about that. First time you run a marathon, this is going to be amazing. I got to the 36K mark, or might have been the 26K mark, might have been the 6K mark, and I vowed, Joseph, no matter how you ever feel, ever in the future of your life, do not sign up for this again. Do do not, don't put your name down for that. There's a naivety to it. Uh, First time you have a baby, I don't know, I've not had a baby. I mean, I've had three, but I didn't actually have them. Oh, it's so beautiful to have a baby. Maybe the second time around, it's like, oh, it's not so beautiful kind of thing. There's a naivety to the first adventure but there's a lot more realism to the second adventure. You've got a better idea of what you're signing up for. Do you want to go another loop round the calendar? We find ourselves in Advent, Advent's the start of the Christian calendar. Do you want to go another loop round the calendar? I mean, it ends up, like, with Christ as King and celebration and all that, but, you know, along the way, there's some wilderness, there's some betrayal, there's some death, there's some hopelessness. There's a lot of ordinary time and stuff in there as well. But there's also some resurrection life. There's some newness, there's some new beginnings, but, you know, can you bring yourself to sign up to go around another loop? Because, you know, the first loop's always exciting, but the second one, uh, we took the kids to Rainbow's End, Not that that's the greatest theme park in the world, but our kids had never been to any theme park, I don't think. And uh, we arrived in and they're all kind of happy and Larry and we lined up at the first thing. And none of our kids actually knew what they were lining up for. And it was the Tower of Terror where the seats go up. (laughs) And uh, Anna Marie, who, the boys, they'll sign up for anything, but Anna Marie, who will not sign up for anything, um, she finds herself sitting next to me on a seat. And it's like, and we go up and up. She's like, this is amazing. You can see so much. And then she's like, does it go down soon? And I'm like, yeah, it goes down soon. <laughs> About 35 seconds later, poof, drops kind of thing. She is as white as a ghost. Like she's, she's staggering like, do not ever make me do that. She, she just had no idea. There's a naivety, the first adventure, we couldn't sign her up for anything on the second adventure. Like, you know, candy floss, yes please, kind of thing. Do you want to do another adventure? Can you have another adventure? And if you can, would you even want another adventure? Prince Caspian, he's been living basically in the safety of his castle his whole life. Uh, he's heard rumor of talking animals. He's heard rumor of dwarfs. He's heard rumor of giants. He, 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 his desire more than anything is to go on an adventure and discover these, these things for himself. And uh, he's honors he's his, his adventure. It, it's, it reads like this, to sleep under the stars. To drink nothing but well water, to live chiefly on nuts and wild fruit was a strange experience for Caspian after his bed of silken sheets in a tapestry chamber of a castle, with meals laid out on gold dishes and attendants ready at his call. But he had never enjoyed himself more. Never had sleep been more refreshing, nor food tasted more savory. And he began already to harden, and his face wore a more kingly look. Caspian's enjoying his first adventure. He's coming alive as he heads out on his adventure. For the kids, it was an empty, sleepy country station, and there was hardly anyone on the platform except, platform except themselves. Suddenly, Lucy gave a sharp little cry, like someone who had been sitting had been stung by a wasp. What's up, Lou? said Edmund. And then suddenly broke off and made a noise like, ow, what on earth? began Peter. And then he, too, suddenly changed what he had been going to say. Instead, he said, Susan, let go. What are you doing? Why are you dragging me? I'm not touching you, said Susan. Someone is pulling me. Oh, stop it, said Edmund. Everyone noticed that all the others' faces had gone very white. It felt just the same, said Edmund in a breathless voice, as if I was being dragged along, a most frightful pulling. Oh, it's beginning again. Me too, said Lucy. Oh, I can't bear it. Look sharp, shouted Edmund. All catch hands and keep together. This is magic, I can tell by the feeling. Quick, yes, said Susan. Hold hands. I do wish it would stop. Oh, next moment, the luggage, the seat, the platform, and the station had completely vanished. The four children, holding hands and panting, found themselves standing in a woody place, such a woody place that branches were sticking into them, and there was hardly room to move. They all rubbed their eyes and took a deep breath. Oh, Peter explained, Lucy, do you think we could possibly have come back to Narnia? And they have, and they're excited about that, and they walk down out of the forest onto the beach shore. I think it's, I think it's actually in the movie. It's filmed um, at Cathedral Cove. And, the, and the, there's golden sands, and the water's delightful, and they, they splash around in the in the sand. It's awesome. They're on their second adventure, but then the reality kicks in. They've only got two packed lunches. Uh, they've dropped a torch. There's not enough food. They don't have any water. Uh, they have to find. You know, what are they going to do? Where are they going to sleep? Kind of thing. They find apples on an apple tree, and after only eating apples for a couple of days, they're complaining bitterly about how horrible this adventure is. Kind of thing. Reality sets in pretty quickly on the on that second adventure. But it does turn out in the economy of God that you can have a second adventure and a third adventure and a fourth adventure and a tenth adventure, even though the the naivety is lost. I think the thing for uh, Peter and Susan and Edmund and Lucy is that they've been on an adventure before, so they know what to do. They just need to find the lamp. And they just need to find Mr. Tumnus and they just need to find Mr. and Mrs. Beaver and have a chat and sort it out. And they'll be able to chart a course and plan the adventure and save the day and do whatever is needed to be done. But it doesn't work like that. The second adventure is never the same as the first adventure. The lampstand is now in a place called the Lantern Waste. Their old friends have long since passed. The castle that they lived in uh, used to be uh, at a river mouth uh, on, the, on the beach at a river mouth, looking out at the sea kind of thing. And they actually arrive back at that same castle, but it's all ruined, and now it's a little island, disconnected from the mainland. That's how much time's passed. That's how much even, even the geography has changed. Uh, the stone table uh, is a place called Aslan's Howe, and we could do a sermon on that too, which would be cool, but you only get to do four, so we won't do a sermon on Aslan's How. But that's a cool name for the stone table, Aslan's Howe. But, but everything's changed. There is no more Mr. Tumnus. There is no more Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. There's no more lampstand to find. It's, the second adventure is never the same as the first. But there's no going back. Isaiah 43, verse 16 to 21. This is what the Lord says. Who who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Israel's story is one of escaping Egypt, the seas widening up, passing through, closing in on the Egyptian army. And yet in Isaiah, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Uh, John the Baptist will pick up on Isaiah chapter 40. When he starts to declare, make the path straight, and begins to announce the coming of a new king. There's a new thing happening. It's, not, it's, it's another adventure, but it's not the same as the first adventure. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provided water in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that ma- they may proclaim my praise. The, for, the former thing was, was a destroying and a wiping out. The, the new thing is the providing of water in the wilderness, the providing of drink for those that are parched, that those who are thirsty would thirst no more, that those that are hungry would hunger no more. This whole new thing, is, it's, it's another adventure, but it's a different thing. Lucy said to Aslan, "Oh dear, oh dear, said Lucy, and I was so pleased at finding you again, and I thought you'd let me stay, and I thought you'd come roaring in and frighten all the eni- enemies away like last time. And now everything is going to be horrid. It's hard for you, little ones, said Aslan, but things never happen the same way twice. Things never happen the same way twice. And like I said, Edmund, Susan, Peter, Lucy, they're beginning to realize that they're at the castle, that the castle that they grew up in. For now all knew that it was indeed the ancient treasure chamber of Ker-Paravel where they had once reigned as kings and queens of Narnia. There was a kind of path up the middle, and along each side at intervals stood rich suits of armor, like knights guarding the treasures. In between the suits of armor on each side of the path were shelves covered with treasure. We've got a little bit of it over here with reaper sheep. Uh, diamonds, rubies, emeralds, topaz, amethysts, and gold coins. Under the shelves stood great chests of oak, strengthened with iron bars and heavily padlocked. But it was bitterly cold and so still that they could hear themselves breathing. And the treasures were so covered with dust that unless they had realized where they were and remembered most of the things, they would hardly have known they were treasures. There was something sad and a little frightened about the place because it all seemed so forsaken and long ago. The treasure was so covered in dust, unless they knew where they were and knew what the things were, they would hardly have realized that they were treasure. The Gospel of Matthew, I think, Jesus talks about a man that brings out treasures old and treasures new. And on the second adventure, you may not need the treasures old, you need the treasures new. And it's all happening different, and it can be disorientating, it can be disconcerting. Kids at the train station were gloomy at the thought of the school term. They wanted an adventure. Almost like starting over again, and yet they weren't, because they had an adventure before. So you don't ever start over in exactly the same place. It wasn't going to be quite the same. Nevertheless, they, they wanted another adventure. I wonder about us, though, who are a little older, a little bit more pragmatic in the hustle and bustle and busyness of life with our responsibilities and obligations, those of us that are parenting, those of us that are career building, with mortgage payments and grocery buying and all these sorts of things that we need to do? Are we gloomy at the thought of another adventure? We want the predictability and the routine of the school term. Do you want to go around again? No, I don't want to go around again. It all works out for good in the end, but, oh, it's tiring and it's exhausting and you've got to trust God and there's things that die and there's things that come to life and, oh, Lent comes. Man, it takes so long to get to Advent, but Lent rolls around and then you have to fast and give things up and it's, oh, I I don't know if I want to go around again. We get gloomy, I wonder, as we get older at the thought of another adventure. Oh, not another. I'm too old for another adventure. Kids are into skimboarding at the moment. And uh, they shallow water, board, spin it, run, slide, do 360s and pop shove it and things. And uh, they're trying to get me to do it the other day. I was like, I'm not interested, not today. I'll do it another day. I'm not interested today. I don't want to break my ankle. Lisa says to me, so kindly, so just with just a heart of love. She goes, oh, you're that age now, are you? <laughs> I'm married to someone that age. So we get older. It's like, I don't know. I don't need another adventure. I snapped my Achilles the last... I gave up sport. And then they talked me into one more season. So I came back and I snapped my Achilles. I'm like, I told you I'd given that up. I don't want to go around again. I don't want another snapped Achilles. It takes a year to get right. I think we have adventures with God that call us to great faith and great trust. We've got to die to things and let go and believe and it's painful and there's tears and there's heartache and All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been good, so good. Your goodness is running after me. And I'm glad that it's caught up and we're where we are today. And I prefer to please not have any more adventures. Let's just have mortgage payments, grocery buying, and predictability from here on through. The the adventures in serving you, they're from from another time in my life and not not now. I've had had my – that's for the young people. They can go on there. they can do the missions thing and give things away and, you know. Like I said many times, because when we're like 18 and 19, I give you everything, God. It's all yours. Like my CD collection and the $9.95 I have in the account, the whole lot's yours. I lay it all down. And then we're like 50. Give you some of the things, but I've actually acquired quite a lot now, and I don't know if I want to go on the adventure of giving that all over to you. That's a young young man's game. That's a young person's game. I'm going to just... Be at church on Sunday and let your goodness, that's caught up to me. Just be around me. I don't want to run ahead of that. Yet Advent is always the invitation to go around again. To have another adventure. With all of the highs and joys and blessings and resurrection life that comes from that. But knowing, because you're not naive anymore, knowing oh, there'll be some lows and some weeping. I know that tears come in the morning. i <laughs> uh, sorry, I know that joy comes in the morning. There'll be tears in the evening, but joy comes in the morning. Get that right? But I'm not really... You've got to go through the tears to get for the joy, so I'm rather... I, I prefer a middle ground of neither tears nor joy. It's a lot more stable. Whoever loses their life will find life. Whoever holds on tightly will lose it. So who's ready to let go? Um... I have questions. (laughs) Luke chapter 2, 13 to 38. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those from whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, this child is destined to call the falling, cause the falling and the rising of many and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon is old, but Simeon is righteous and devout. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. He's waiting for the embrace of God to come to Israel. He, he ends up embracing a child, but embracing that child, really what's happening is that God is embracing Israel. is 84. She was with her husband for seven years. In an ancient Near Eastern culture, you get married pretty young. Uh, like we, we would say in our day and age, kind of inappropriately young. They, they get married at 14 or 15 or 16 or 17. So she's been married seventeen uh, for seven years. So she's maybe a widow from the age of, 25 or 24, something like that. Now she's 84. She's she's been a widow for 60 years. 60 years a widow. And yet she is a woman of worship and prayer and fasting. These elderly folk that have great faith and great trust, that have been looking for the promises of God, have been looking for the faithfulness of God. We don't know much about them. We're not, we're not given many more details. The, the indication that we're given is that they're men and women of character, a man and a woman of character, of, of, of faithfulness, that they're, they're holy, whole, and wholesome people. Uh, we might say in our modern terms that the, they're saints. They're those that have lived a long obedience in the same direction, followed God faithfully all the days of their life, that we should hold up and esteem as being... Saintly has been role models has been the kind of people that you'd want to emulate, you'd want to live like them. The, the, the text seems to indicate that these are these are, this is a godly man and a, and a godly woman. They're a picture of patient faith, of patient trust, of patient hope. They've done a lot of waiting. But the text again seems to indicate that they they've grown better, not bitter. That they've grown better not Bitter. They're righteousness. They're, they're people of righteousness. They're devout. They're not cold and despondent. Two elderly people, it seems, that have chosen to go on an, on adventures with God every year. Oh, we'll go around again. We'll go around again. Oh, we'll, the wardrobe. We'll go through the wardrobe again. Oh, we're, we're back at that time of going through the wardrobe. Oh, we'll go through the wardrobe again. I oh, was still waiting for the comfort of Israel, the consolation of Israel, the redemption of Israel. What shall we do? Let's go around again. Let, let's go through the wardrobe again. Let's go around the calendar again. Let, let's go on that adventure again. A first adventure. A second adventure. A third adventure. A 72nd adventure. A 73rd adventure. A 74th An 80th adventure. An 81st adventure. An 82nd adventure. An 83rd adventure. An 84th year. Going around the circle again. Going through the wardrobe again. Waking up again to, 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 to set one's eyes upon the promises and the goodness and the faithfulness of Surely they've done enough. Get the young people to do it. Get the young people to do it. It it doesn't work like that. Go on another adventure with God. You don't get the sense that they were waiting around doing nothing, though. We don't know, like I said, you don't know a lot, but Anna's in the temple. She's a prophetess. So there's a sense in which for 84 years she's been ministering to people that come and go. Maybe young mums that come in. Maybe, maybe she spots Joseph and Mary with the baby and goes straight up, straight up to them. Because for 84 years she's been going straight up to young mums. Well, maybe not when she was two. Maybe for 64 years she's been going straight up to young mums and putting her arm around them and asking them how they're going and praying for them and prophesying over their child. Maybe she's been doing tea and coffee for 60 years. I don't know. You don't know what Simeon does. Simeon doesn't live at the temple. Maybe he has an orchard. Maybe he's been growing oranges for 84 years, 64 years. Who knows? And he bags them up and he brings them out and hands them out. Or Maybe maybe his wife's passed away only a couple of years ago. Maybe they've fostered. 15 children. You you don't know. There's no no insight given except the insight given that these these two elderly people are a quintessential example of great faith and great hope and great great trust that, that keeps on going around and around again. They're waiting for something. They're waiting for the consolation of Israel. They're looking for the redemption of Israel. But in the meantime, they're giving their lives away as they... It's never passive, it's always active. So can you go on a second adventure? Yeah, you can go on a second adventure, and a third adventure, and a fourth adventure, and an 84th adventure, and no adventure will look like the last adventure, but you'll never be quite the same person either because you grow through the adventures you go on. So that can happen. The question, though, maybe for this advent I want to pose is, do you want to go on another adventure, though? Do you want to go through the wardrobe again? Do you want to go round the calendar another time? now that you're not naive and now that you know what it looks like and what that could entail and what, what that might involve. It's tempting to settle for another school term. The predictability of English and math and social studies and cheese and pickle sandwiches. You know, I had cheese and pickle sandwiches for like seven years of my life, like every day for seven years. Same school lunch. Worst thing about it was why I made my own school lunch. Um, <laughs> Pick you up at 7.50, the bus that picks you up at 7.50 every morning. What do you want? Do you want the predictability of the routines? Steady financial market? Geopolitical stableness, please. And I'll just quietly pay the mortgage and raise the kids and go on a holiday. Or are you willing to go on another adventure with God and, and all that that might entail? Adventures are hard, but they're Transformative. Adventures are hard, but they're the things that are transformative. Advent's declaration is that God's always doing something new in Christ. That as he said on the adventure, you, you can't control the timing and the circumstances and when God will show up and do what God's going to do, but that we wait with hope and trust and faith and expectation that at the right time, God will show up, do what God's going to do. I guess then knowing that God turns up, the question is, are we going to turn up? Are you going to turn up? Are you willing to go through the wardrobe one more time? All right, let's stand to our feet. We'll close in prayer. Oh, oh here's the 84-year-old. Uh, 85, that's right. I knew you should have the birthday just the other day. Come. Isla, Isla, Isla come on the microphone. Oh, I was going to point Ayla out, though, because Isla did celebrate her 85th birthday just the other day and Isla is the eldest person in our church and I know from lunches and chats and conversations with Isla, she's up for walking through the wardrobe one more time, going around the calendar one more time and that no adventure is the same adventure but as you keep that long obedience in the same direction, you grow to be a saintly type person. All right, let's stand to our feet. Lord, we thank you for hope. We thank you that There's a mystery to life. There's a scariness to life. There's an unknown element to life. We don't get to control the timelines or the schedules. But we don't wait with fear. We wait with hope. Thank you for the good things that you are doing in our lives, in this church community and churches around the world. We think of brothers and sisters in Israel and the redemption and the work that you're doing there bringing people back to you. We thank you that we can look to you. We thank you for the example of Simeon and Anna and people like Isla who show us what it is to trust, to set our eyes on you, to fix our hope on you, that your redemption would come to Israel, that your consolation would come in our lives, that the comfort of God would rest on us. We thank you for Simeon who embraced a baby for a moment, but we recognize in that moment that God was embracing humanity, and we celebrate that. So as you go this morning, may your eyes be open to see beyond the obvious. May you go with a fresh awareness of the depth, wonder, love, and mystery of God at work in your life. May you be brave enough to start reading fairy tales again and wise enough to see that they are anything but make-believe. There's magic beyond the facts. Know that Christ is the light of the world. The lamp is but a reminder. Know that you are never too old for another adventure and that God is always doing something new in Christ Jesus. There's more to be seen and known. The goodness of the Lord, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And may you know in this season, the love of God, the life of Christ, and the peace of the Holy Spirit is your own. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Please don't feel like you have to exit via the wardrobe. You can use the regular doors, it's no trouble.